from Relay FM. This is Inquisitive, episode number 25. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. And Fracture, who print amazing-looking photos directly on to glass. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mike. So happy to have you. I am so happy to be here. It's, I've loved your show and so thrilled that you invited me to be on. So, Katie, I hope you've been preparing. I have. What do you like to be known for? Well, I'd like to be known as someone who is smart, dedicated, and a problem solver. That's what I do mainly in my, my day job, my non-internet life. Uh, but what I'm probably best known for on the internet uh, is being the person who co-hosts Mac Power Users with David Sparks. We're actually, I think, going to talk about a bunch of those things um, today. Uh, I hope so, anyway. But I kind of, before all of that, I want to, I want to understand a little bit, a bit, a little bit more about like your your nerd history, kind of like you know, where where did this all start for you? Where did this all come from? So, when did computers become a thing in your life? Like, at what age did did computers become a thing? Pretty young. Um, 1984 was obviously the the year when the Macintosh was was introduced. And during that time, my dad owned a small business. He owned a sporting goods store. And he decided, and I don't remember if it was 84, it may have been 85. It may not have been the exact year that the Mac came out. But he decided that for various reasons, he wanted to get a computer for his business so that he could do some basic word processing, that he could do, you know, some spreadsheets so that he could make signage for the store. Uh, I mean, basic things that a small business owner does and take for granted. Uh, we had never, he had never had a computer. He had never used a computer, I don't think, to that date. Uh, and we certainly didn't have one in the house. And um, so my dad bought the original Macintosh, the original 128 Mac. And I remember as a kid, I, I was the only child at that time. I, my brother came along shortly thereafter. So I just kind of hung out and went around with my parents wherever they happened to go. And I remember as a kid going with my dad when he picked up the Mac. And I, I think he had shopped for it and, and done all of that. And I just went with him when he picked it up. And, you know, they made a big deal out of that. Oh, and here's the bag. And, oh, here's the printer that you can add on for an extra $1,000. And, you know, we we picked up uh, a few games and things. And my dad brought it home and unpacked it. And it was a really big deal. And, you know, he set up Paint. And uh, I think he set it up at the kitchen table for the first couple of days. And I just immediately took to it. And we had one of those, I, I don't remember what they were, but, you know, the the, the old printers that had the little um, the, the little strands of, of, of paper with the holes in them on the side, uh, image writer maybe, you know, the, that made the noise. Like the dot matrix. And the dot matrix so, printer. Yeah. 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 Um, and and I mean, we must have spent hundreds of dollars, you know, those first couple of days alone of me, you know, just making creations. You know, most kids would be drawing with, with you know, pens and crowns and whatever at the kitchen table. But instead I was, you know, here, here's my family and McPaint, print it out, put it on the, you know, refrigerator. Here's a picture of my dog, print it out, put it on the refrigerator. And, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I was young, I was cute, and they had to. Um, and And so... Over the course of the next couple of, of weeks and months, it it just kind of became mine. Um, 
And um, I, I started figuring out, you know, how this worked and how games worked. And, you know, if you didn't have the syst- the disc with the system folder in, because remember, there was no hard drive, you know, you had to swap out the discs. And if you didn't have enough space, you had to do this. And, you know, nobody in my family had any experience with computers. So if if something broke and it didn't work, there was nobody to go to to figure out how this was going to get fixed. I, you know, I couldn't play with the computer anymore until I fixed it. So that was kind of how it, it began. And it was just, you know, a, a, a very fortunate event of, you know, kind of being the right place at the right time, uh, having parents who were extremely generous and extremely supportive of, of letting a, a very young kid play with a very expensive toy um, and, and just kind of being given the freedom to, to roam on it. Did the did the Mac serve any other purpose in the home? Like, did it after you kind of got your hands on it? Did it end up being used for like its original intention? <laughs> well, so my dad did use it a little bit for its original intention, and they used it for bookkeeping. And I think they had some kind of like checkbook keeping program on it. Um, but the next year, my dad actually bought I think a five twelve Mac, um, and the one twenty eight became mine. So. Did you ever go outside of the Macintosh world after this point? I did not. No. Um and and I was solidified more in the Mac world. Um you know, several years later we we had a uh we we had a Mac LC and then we had a series of of Quadras and then ultimately the Power Macs, but you know, during the the 90s, the the dark days for the Mac, my parents switched. Uh they they switched to the PCs. You know, my mom worked in healthcare and that's certainly what they were using. Um, and my dad's business, you know, as, as it grew, they switched to PCs because of course you have to have a PC to, to do real business. Um, but as I got older in school throughout middle school and high school, and then ultimately into college, um, I got into desktop publishing. I became uh, a newspaper and a yearbook nerd, uh, primarily a yearbook geek. Uh, and, and they were starting to use Macs, the, the very earliest of the first, the power Macs, and then the very, very earliest of the G3s. Um, they started using in the schools and because I had used a Mac in the home all of those years before, uh, I was the one who knew how these worked. So, you know, I, I was able to, to figure out, okay, well, I, I, I can do desktop publishing. No, I've never seen this before, but you know, sure. I can, I can figure this out and I can do all of those other things. And so I became editor of the school yearbook and editor school newspaper. And, um, I kept with the Mac. I actually had a, an uncle who was a, a big Mac fan and he would recycle his old computers down to me. So even though my parents all had PCs, um, I had an uncle who, would um you know would send me his his used equipment so did you have any other nerdy pursuits or were like you know you mentioned like the the yearbooking and stuff like that but did you ha- were you a video game nerd or anything like that growing up uh, I certainly was not a video game nerd. Um, we had a Nintendo in the house. I have a brother who's five years younger than me. And so we always he always had video game systems, and I would play them, I guess, from time to time. I, I, I play a mean duck hunt, but I think that's probably the last game, the last video game that, that I've played. Um, but I always, I always liked taking things apart and fixing things. You know, I, I can remember, you know, even as a kid who was seven or eight, I had an alarm clock that didn't work and taking that apart and figuring out something that was wrong with it and putting it back together. And so I guess I was a, a geek and a nerd in in that respect. 
but well, we, you know, never, never really comic books and never really, you know, video games, but I was always a Star Trek geek. <laughs> when did, uh, or what sort of impact did the internet have on your life? You know, the internet really didn't come on, um, and in, in my life until almost college. I mean, it was around in late high school. We, we had, a. Uh, you know, I, I live in a town, you know, probably population generously 250,000, but we, we were a university town, but I, I didn't have broadband or, you know, I know broadband's now a, a term of art, but, you know, what we would consider any kind of high-speed internet, you know, I didn't have any broadband until college. And it was even, I think, until my, you know, probably my junior or senior year in college before I had access to broadband. We, they didn't even have it in the dorms my first couple of years of college. So um, the the internet experience was pretty miserable. It was pretty slow. We we did have um, a free net, you know, here in town, but it it was it was text based primarily. It was it was kind of like a, a glorified bulletin board type system that, or, or there was AOL, but it was just ridiculously slow on dial up. So you know, I would I would go on AOL for a few things back in the early days and emails and. Um, you know, I have a, a very good friend that I somehow connected with on an AOL message board and and we remain friends to this day and would participate in some of those things. But, you know, the Internet's not very fun when it's really slow. No. Or like, you know, when you have to, to disconnect every time somebody wanted to use the phone. Well, yeah. And, and we didn't have multiple phone lines. And so, you know, when, when you've got, you know, parents and siblings and people are in the house, as soon as somebody picks up, uh, you know. So that that was that was not easy always. Would I be right in assuming that you studied law? I didn't. Well, not until I went to law school. I uh, I actually because I was the the yearbook nerd um, and was editor of my my school yearbook for two years and uh, editor of the newspaper my last year. Uh, I went into journalism when when I was in in uh, in college. You know, I, I was convinced, uh, good, good, good call not going that way, but, you know, I was convinced that I was going to be editor-in-chief of Time magazine, and, you know, ma- magazines aren't doing so well right now. But uh, I, I went into a journalism program. In law, I stumbled upon almost quite by accident. I actually got a job uh, when I was in school with the publishing company who published our school yearbook uh, because they had taken note of me, and so I was working pretty heavily, almost full-time, when I was in college for this publishing company and, and actually worked for them several years after college before I went to law school. And I stumbled into, uh, I have a poli-sci poli um, uh, minor, and I stumbled into my first, what you would consider a law-related class, completely by accident because I needed a class that met at 7 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, one particular semester so that it would fit my work schedule. Um, and I had no interest in it. It was just, you know, looking at the course catalog, what meets on this particular day at this particular time, because I have to meet a certain schedule for work. Uh, and it was a professor who was a local lawyer here in town um, who taught the class before he went off to work. And he taught it very Socratic method. And it was miserable. It was hard. He was mean. And I absolutely loved it. And that was that. <laughs> I, I wondered where you were going with that. Like, he was miserable. He was horrible. I, I didn't like it. And then five years later, I came back to it. That's what I thought you were going to say. 
Why no, did you I love it. it? Why? Oh, Why? It, what, it was, it? Well, because because he made you think. I mean, uh, you know, especially I'm a morning person, and so especially at seven a.m., you know, a lot of people weren't happy to to be taking that class. But it was it was a class that it started with about fifty people in the class, and then about. Um, you know, week one, some people dwindled. Week two, some people dwindled. And by the drop ad date or, you know, whatever the, the date is to to drop it, um, you, know, you know, the class was cut down to, you know, easily only like a third of the people who started the class was was left. So when did you go away from the journalism and into law? Did you did you finish your journalism degree? I did well at that point I did. You know, I was I was I was too close to to not finish it. Um, and, and here you can, you know, really you don't have to have a pre-law degree. And in, in fact, it's kind of discouraged to, to go to law school. You can, you can minor in or get an undergraduate degree in anything to go and then ultimately go to law school. And in fact, you know, if you decide to go to law school and you want to pr- practice a, a particular type of law, you know, maybe having an undergraduate degree that complements that is, is even more beneficial than a pre-law degree. Um, but so I immediately the next semester then signed up for every other class that this particular professor taught. Um, and then finished my journalism courses, but, you know, finished out the rest of my elective courses with, um, with, with political science and, and law related classes. Um, and then actually, because I had so many credits, I, I took a summer and I went and interned on Capitol Hill up in Washington, DC, uh, and, and did that for, for, uh, three months. And that was a, a real eye opening experience. I actually ended up working there the summer after September 11th. Whoa. Um, yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> fun yeah, is, is day, a word. <laughs> day, day two, when you get there, they were telling you how to how to stab yourself with whatever in the event of a of a chemical attack. It was like, uh, okay, I'm not going to tell mom that. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. It's like, no, no, it's fine. Perfect. Couldn't be safer. Actually, it's the safest place to be, mom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we are kind of surrounded by uh, journalists and bloggers uh, and people of of that kind of mindset. And you had obviously been interested in it and had, you know, received training could be the right word, a a form of training in journalism. Do you ever look at that now and and think, you know, oh, it would, would have been nice to have stuck with this a little bit more? Well, I don't use the Oxford comma. Makes Stephen very happy. <laughs> um, you know, I, journalism has changed so much, and uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit on on uh, Mac Power users that that hasn't released yet. You know, when I was a journalism major, there, there were three tracks in the journalism school. It was it was print, it was TV, and it was radio. And I, I haven't been back to the journalism school now, but I, I don't know. Is there even a radio track now? Would there be a podcasting track now? Um, you know, and, and the TV track, I'm sure, has a lot more more digital media in it. So the, the journalism degree, I think, definitely taught me how to write, how to be more concise. There, there were certainly things in the journalism degree that, that helped me in law school. I, I think it – I'm, I'm very happy I did it. Uh, I think it helped me be a better writer and, and certainly even be a better reader in many respects. I still can't spell, though. Thank goodness for spell check. <laughs> Right, I want to I want to take a a very quick break, and then I want to to talk to you about an interesting anecdote that I heard from you uh, on a recent episode of Mac Power Users. Oh no! <laughs> so this week's episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by our friends over at Lynda.com. It's already February. 
What are you waiting for? It's time to invest in yourself this year and start learning something new with lynda.com and you can sign up for a free 10-day trial so you can dig right in. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world. They have over 3,000 courses. They're adding new courses to their site every single week so that, that is always growing and it's on topics like web development, photography, visual design, business. Maybe you want to learn Excel or Photoshop. Maybe you want to learn a bit about time management or GTD or you want to learn how to draw or you want to learn how to make an iPhone iOS app or an Android app or the list goes on and on and on and on. These are the types of things that lynda.com can help you with. They can help you with hobbies. They can help you with skills. They can help you retrain. Maybe you want to find a new job or maybe it's just something that you've always had an itch to try. lynda.com has something for everyone. They have great apps for iOS and Android so you can watch on the go. You can also watch on your web browser. They have great uh, tools that like their searchable transcripts so you can go in and search for every time X is mentioned and you can click and just watch that part. They have great speed controls as well, so you can learn at whatever pace that you want to learn at. They have some great uh, courses that I like in getting started in audio and music production, so they have some great stuff on GarageBand, they have some great stuff on Logic, and it can help you if you are interested in podcasting. Um, They also have some great documentaries as well on lynda.com, like um, the trilogy of documentaries by Gary Hustwit, uh, which is Helvetica, Objectified and Urbanized. I thoroughly recommend those. You will get uh, access to those as part of uh, your lynda.com subscription as well you can go sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com right now by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive go ahead invest in yourself and challenge yourself to learn something new thank you so much lynda.com for supporting this show and relay fm so on a recent episode of mac power users um where you invited on to the show uh my co-founder, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Uh, there were, you and, well, Stephen was talking about like his time as an employee of Apple and you were talking about uh, his Apple genius time. And you mentioned that you were at one point very close to throwing everything away and being a Mac genius. Well, I, I thought about it. It's not, not really true. I, 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 what's probably closer to the truth is, is thank goodness there wasn't an Apple store around um, when I was in college and law school, or I would have considered throwing it all away and, and becoming a Mac genius because, you know, to this day, there's not the closest Apple store is, uh, over, over 60 miles away from me, which is quite frustrating. Why do you think you might've done it though? Was there something there that was like, it was, it was so beautiful to you, you know? Well, it's, it's, you know, what, what, what is, what is every Apple Mac geeks dream is to, oh, I'm going to work for Apple. And there was certainly a mystique behind, well, okay. Who doesn't like the title genius? First off, I mean, come <laughs> it on. It is a great thing rather than it, like uh-huh. customer service operative, you know. Right. Yeah. G- genius just done. Um, you know, and and secondly, you know, the idea of, you know, there, there was this mystique around the geniuses for, oh, I bet they're handpicked by Steve Jobs and trained and you, you, you go, you know, look at, you know, go to Apple and you get all the secrets. And of course, we know none of that is true. I mean, Stephen shed a little bit of light on it in that particular episode of Mac Power Users. And, you know, I don't, I think it'd be a, a lot of fun, but uh, law school was very, very, st- especially the first year is, is very, very stressful. So any, anybody who's going or who's currently in their first year of law school, just hang tight. It, it gets better. Um, but I, I remember, you know, thinking, you know, as I was spending hours and hours in the library trying to figure out how, you know, can, can I do this? Am I going to be able to make this? I was just like, yeah, I, I could just always throw this in and go be an Apple genius. That 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 would be so much better right now. And my mother was like, no, you can't. No. 
How hard is law school? Yeah, it 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 it's it doesn't take anybody can do. It's not rocket science. Um, you know, anybody you you it it definitely it teaches you I think to think in a different way. Um, it it definitely requires a certain level of of dedication. I I went to uh, a state school, a top tier state school. Um, you know, partially because I needed to stay in state for for cost related reasons. If you go to a private school or an out of state school, you can easily look at you know three to five times the the cost of of staying at a state school. But my my first year of law school, it 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 really was treated like a job. It was you know in the library by by seven or eight and going to class, and I didn't leave the library until seven or eight that night. Well, but it paid off. Yeah, and I, I, I want to talk to you about that a little bit, but just to, to kind of to go back a step, um, would you say that like these days you're probably an honorary genius? Like you help people at home, at work, on the internet as well, especially to learn <laughs> how to use their products, their Mac products, their Apple products. I, I think so. Um, one of the areas that I became uh, involved in a little bit, you know, even someone I was in college and, and still currently, although not as much now as I would like to be, is I started getting involved in my local Mac user group. And we don't have, like I said, we don't have an Apple store here in town. And so the Mac user group is really a one-on-one place where you can meet folks and talk about what their problems are. And it became obvious pretty quickly um, that I was one of the folks in that group who kind of knew what I was talking about and could solve problems. So the first the first hour of the user group meeting is always general question and answers. Okay, well what have you got, you know, throw it throw it at me and and I'll see if we've we've got a problem. And a lot of, you know, a lot of those problems are are pretty basic. You know, I think I might have a virus. No, you don't have a virus. Well, I have a virus. No, you don't have a virus. You know, and 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 here we go and and what did you do or why is my email not working? Um and so, and from the Mac user group, actually, I started my very first podcast with um, one of the other officers in that group. And that was how my very first podcast was born is because we started talking about, you know, we answer all these questions and we do all these types of things for the Mac user group people here locally. You know, I, iTunes at that point had just introduced podcasting. You know, why, why couldn't we do this on a larger scale? And so that's how that kind of got started. And so yeah, I mean, I, I certainly have always been tech support for my family from from a very young age. Um, you know, it's just it's something it's something that's always made made sense to me. You know, e- even things that weren't computer related. I I, I very vividly remember, um, you know, helping my my parents more so helping the guy from Circuit City uh, set up my dad's first surround sound system. You know, years and years ago. Uh, gosh, probably twenty twenty five years ago. But you know, that just the, those things always, for whatever reason, that technology has always made logical sense to me. What do you do to make sure that you stay up to date with what's going on in the Mac world, like from a news perspective, but also from like a technical perspective as well? Do you have any sort of tricks? Like, do you have any places that you visit, like as well as reading? I don't know, like um, Mac stories. Do you read iFixit? Mac Stories. What's that? I'm not familiar. I'm sorry. It's just some random site I picked out. Never heard of it. No. <laughs> um, it it depends, and and certainly with the podcast, I've I've had to up my game a little bit. You know the the level of research and stuff you have to do to, to satisfy the local Mac user group is a little bit different than the level of stuff you have to be informed to to satisfy the the Mac Power users audience. But um, 
you know, initially it just started, you know, back in the days before RSS of finding those sites that were interesting. And that's, that was, and still is one of my rituals every morning, although now I do it by an RSS reader is I would have a dedicated set of sites that I would go to every morning uh, and check and, and see what's going on. And that's still now the very first thing that I do every morning. Although now I do it, you know, in my bed with my, my iPad, as I reach over and pick my iPad up off the, off the table and, you know, set my alarm for about 30 minutes earlier than when I really need to get up and scroll through and see what's going on with the day and what's going on with the news. Uh, and then I, I keep involved, you know, reading a lot of sites and listening to a lot of podcasts. So do you like, do you, do you fret over things like that? Do you fret over making sure that you get everything right? Like, do you spend a lot of time delving into it I'll, I'll, we'll talk about mac power users a bit more in a bit but do you when you're thinking about like prepping for the show and stuff do you put a lot of time into that oh yeah um and it part of it depends on the show i mean in, interview shows typically require a little bit less technical prep i mean obviously you want to be familiar with the person that you're interviewing and and what they've done and hit some highlights and and be familiar with them but if you're if you're prepping, you know, what we, and, and we do a couple of different types of show on Mac power users, you know, we, we do the interview shows, we do the workflow shows. What the, the toughest ones really, um, are what we call kind of the deep dive shows. You know, when, when you take a particular product and you really dive deep on it, like, you know, if we're going to talk about keyboard maestro for an entire episode, that's pretty tough. You know, because you've got to talk about examples and have good use cases and know about all of the features. Um, you know, those those are difficult episodes in particular to to prep for and make sure that you know you're on top of everything because pe- people catch you on that. They're like, you said in this episode of Mac Power Users that you could do this, and you said it at the one hour and forty seven minute mark, and I've gone through and I've looked at that, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, because you will get people that that uh, for whatever reason send that kind of feedback in um how do you tend to take that kind of stuff well first off we are very very lucky and that david and i i i genuinely believe we we have one of if not the best audience in in podcasting um the we get very very little negative feedback and um, you know, we get we get some constructive criticism, and I'm I'm always very appreciative of constructive criticism because I don't mind people telling us, you know, what we can do better. Um, but people who just kind of want to grind an axe to grind an axe and just say you were wrong or or this wasn't right, it's kind of like it depends on their tone. You know, if if they're if if I think that they were well meaning and sending the email, you know, then I'll probably reply if. And and it took me kind of a while to get to this point, but if I think they were just kind of sending it to be nasty, well, you know, there's a delete button. One kind of this is one thing I want to talk about. So it's a little left foot of what we were just talking about. But do you like to have are you a person that likes to have projects? Like, um, do you do you like to have things that you work on? Like, I don't know, like equipping home automation sen- like sensors or replacing hard drives. And do, do you are you a person that likes to do that kind of thing still? Because I know you mentioned that you liked to be a fixer. I I I end up with a lot of projects for whatever reason. You know, funny my my brother called me uh, Monday 
and said, uh, I've got, I'm getting one of those 512 solid state drives that you recommended. Can you put it in tomorrow? And I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh have, have you done a backup? Huh? Yeah. Don't you remember when I gave you a subscription to Backblaze? Have you installed it? Oh yeah. Okay. Go do that first, you know, and then, then we'll talk about installing your hard drive. Um, so I, I do end up with some projects. I, I don't have a lot of time to do as many projects as I'd like. I'm always looking – what I have found as I've become busier, I'm always looking for ways to do things better, but I'm also looking for ways to simplify things. I, I, I walk a very fine line, and I think a lot of us geeks do as well, is I, I want to be careful not to do a project just for sake of doing a project. You know, I, I do have some home automation set up, but I used to have a lot more. And it was kind of gotten to the point where I just had automation set up for the sake of automation. Like, I really tried to rig up this this complex system that would notify me when someone came to my door and send a text message and do all of these other things. And I must have spent hours and hours and hours working on it. And you know what I realized? Nobody comes to my door. I get all of my, <laughs> you know, I, and I mean, people and people who know me come to my back door. They just come through the garage, but nobody comes to my front door. I was like, well, UPS might deliver a package, but they don't. They, I have my packages delivered at the at the office. And, you know, it was like, you know, why did I spend hours automating something that I'm going to use twice a year, you know? And so uh, sometimes I think we have to to take a step back and, and think, okay, well, why am I doing this? Oh, and then a bird built a nest right underneath my home automation system sensor. And I was just like, oh, great. Now it's going off every, oh, you no. know, couple of minutes. But yeah. You need to, maybe you need to build like a bird shoeing robot. <laughs> Something. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? It's like, I, I can't do anything until the birds, you know, birds are done nesting and they fly away. And yeah. All right, I want to talk about Mac Power users, uh, but before we do that, I want to welcome a new sponsor to Inquisitive, and that is our friends over at Fracture. So Fracture is a company that prints photos directly onto glass. Um, they've, they've had people describe it, and I can see why, as like hanging an iPad on your wall, because the images that they print, they really pop. They have, a, they have a great printing technique, but once you put them behind the glass, it looks really different and nice, and it's just a nice way to display photos i've had some printed in the past of podcast artwork and i've heard other people like marco talk about having app artwork but podcasts are also nice little squares and uh you can get that i like their their five by five size it's like a small square size um <laughs> of, of my five by five artwork at the time uh, i've got like i have all of those and, and i want to get them done for relay soon as well and it's just a really nice kind of like a memento but you can also i mean you don't just have to be a podcaster or an app developer maybe you want to have some pictures of you know your newborn child or your wedding photos or something like that put onto like a really nice way to just hang them directly onto the wall and they do that in a couple of interesting ways so all of the the fractures that you have they they come along right ready to mount on the wall they have like a soft back that you can mount right onto the wall you just have to stick a screw in the wall and hang it they even throw a screw into the box as well which is very nice of them but they also have like a, a version where you can just kind of stand them on a desk as well uh, fracture they as well as buying them for yourself they make fantastic gifts because people love photos right people love pictures uh, and it's, this is a really nice way and a really interesting and kind of unique way to give these pictures to someone so it's a 
very nice. It's rather than just get like printing out a photo and giving them a frame. It's a very nice way of doing it. Each fracture is hand assembled and checked for quality by their small team in Gainesville, Florida. If you need another reason to buy one other than the things that I've said or the fact that they're a sponsor of this show, you can get 15% off by using the code INQUISITIVE. Just go to fracture.me to check them out online. So go to fracture.me and use the code INQUISITIVE. you get 15% off. I'm a big fan of their stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting and nice way to display your photos at home. Thank you so much to Fracture for their support of this show. Katie, how did Mac Power users come to be? So David Sparks and I met at Macworld 2008, and that was my first Macworld because I I could never attend Macworld before. I was in school or I was poor or, you know, whatever the situation is, I was just never able to attend Macworld. So 2008 was my first Macworld, and I, I think David had probably been before, but he didn't attend regularly. Uh, and at that point, David was was doing Max Sparky the blog pretty regularly and had just started doing some Max Sparky screencasts. And I was doing, like I said, the the other podcast that I had started, but it it was it was starting to fizzle a little bit. There were starting to be some problems. And we we had several mutual friends um, in the Mac podcasting community, you know, Adam Christensen, Victor Callao, uh, Allison Sheridan, and just a whole group of those folks. And it's it seemed like we just kept getting put together because they they just kept saying, "Hey, you're an attorney and you use Max. Hey, you're an attorney and you use Max." And and so we just kept ending up in the same places together with the same groups of friends. And they both just said, "Well, you guys should do something together." And 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 then the joke was, "Ha ha ha! Yeah, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to create another Mac podcast." Because it seemed like if you don't think there are enough Mac podcasts now, even even back then, we thought, you know, there were so many Mac podcasts. Uh, and we thought about it and we thought, well, may- maybe we could create another Mac podcast. But we decided that we would really only do it if if we thought that we had something we could contribute to the Mac space. Uh, and it took, I think, you know, Macworld was in January and it took us until May uh, actually maybe, yeah, it took us until May until we produced our first show and I take it back and I think it was actually Macworld of 2009 would make more sense. So, um, it was May before we produced our first show because we spent that length of time trying to figure out what we could do because we kept saying as, well, what if it was like, you know, insert name of podcast here, but different in this way. And, and those were immediately non-starters because we didn't want a show that was based on another show. Yep. Um, we wanted something that was totally fresh and, and totally different. Uh, and then we, we just kind of came up with, you know, what, what is it that we would like to do? Uh, and we, we came up with the, the genesis and the idea of Mac Power users and, you know, taking one topic and covering it in depth. Um, and obviously being two attorneys and people who use Mac to get work done uh, in their day jobs, that was kind of the the initial slant and has continued to be throughout many of our shows. Why do you think like podcast, not a blog, like why was it like podcast was the thing for you? Like this was, you know, I think probably before the first podcast renaissance, right? It was- well, 
podcasts became, well, podcasts were still pretty popular in 2009. I mean, it wasn't the podcast renaissance that it was now or then or whenever the podcast renaissance was, but podcasts were pretty popular. And we had several friends in our circle of friends who had done podcasts. Um, David, like I said, David had already done the blog, so it wasn't like he wanted to do yet another blog. If he was going to do that, he'd just do it on Max Sparky. Um, and I was already doing a podcast that I enjoyed the idea of a podcast. Um, but the current podcast that I was doing at the time just wasn't quite working, but I had some knowledge about podcasts. You know, I'd already figured out some of the hard things like recording audio and Skype and RSS feeds and hosting. And so, you know, having already had done a podcast for at that point, maybe a year and a half or so, you know, I had already figured out a lot of how that stuff worked. Um, and, and the technicalities of how to do it. And David had already to some degree as well, cause he was doing some of the, the first Max Sparky screencast even at that time. So the podcast seemed exciting and it made sense. Um, what, what have been some of the really cool things that Mac power users allowed you to do? So many wonderful things have, have come out of Mac Power users. I mean, so uh, honestly, if you had asked me then in 2009 whether I would be sitting here in 2015 uh, and still doing Mac Power users, I, I probably would have said no, no way it would have happened. Um, you know, but first off, it's it's afforded me so many opportunities. Um, opportunities to meet and interact with so many interesting people, um, both in person and through the podcast. Um, some of my best friends I've met as a result of Mac Power users. I mean, Mike, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't through Mac Power users. Um, you know, like I said, many of my best friends I only see once a year. Um, unfortunately, most of the time that was at Macworld Expo, which we're not going to have this year. So uh, we'll have to figure out some other way to to do something like that, uh, maybe WWDC. But uh, it, it has just forward, uh, afforded me so many opportunities to do wonderful things. Uh, and then it's really expanded my horizons. I think it would have been easy in some degrees uh, as life had gotten busier and as my 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 work life balance had gotten askew to to fall out of the Mac community in some ways. And you know, Mac Power users is a dedicated thing that I do every week on the mic with David Sparks. It gives me an outlet and a reason uh, to research this stuff, to stay on, to stay on top of this, to stay on top of this stuff. Uh, and to stay in the Mac community, for sure. The show has a really large and devoted audience. Um, yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, and you guys have been around for a while, so I guess it's built over time. But how do you think that you attracted and continue to like build this audience over time? You know, it it was a shock. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really know what a quote-unquote big podcast audience was, you know, David and I really didn't know anything going into this. You know, the only basis for comparison I had was my previous show, which on its best day had only gotten a couple of thousand of, of downloads per episode. I had no idea whether that was good, whether that was bad, whether that was average or or what. I mean, people don't really talk about that or didn't talk about that kind of thing. Um, and then the very first show we put out, you know, episode one, <laughs> hello, is anybody out there? Uh, and listening, um, it it more than doubled, I think more than tripled the very best show I'd ever put out of the other podcasts. And it was just, whoa, pe- people are listening. 
um, you know, just overnight, you you saw several several thousand downloads, and it was like, where did these people come from? How are they out there? Uh, and then it just continued to grow after that. I, and I think what it really spoke to is that we were serving a niche that that hadn't been served to date. There was really at that time there was no podcast out there that was doing what Mac Power users was doing. Um, you know, there was really no show out there that was taking one topic and and diving deep. And we started hearing from people and still hear from people to this day who say, I just found your show. I've gone back and listened to the entire back catalog. And my first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You've gone back and listened to 239 episodes mm-hmm. of us rambling for, you know, an hour and a half on end to to things. But I think people are are really finding a use to it. And I think our audience is probably a little different than the the typical audience. I think we're finding, you know, a lot of professionals are listening to our podcast. We get emails from, you know, doctors and lawyers and bankers and salesmen and, and developers and, you know, just everybody from all types of walks of life who just want to take this Mac and take this iPhone and figure out how can this make their life better? What have been some of the biggest uh, changes that you've made to the show um, over its history? Well, probably the single biggest one um, was starting the workflow show. And and that was certainly a great change. Um, And that also came about at a Macworld Expo. I I don't remember. I think it was about a year after the show started. Uh, Maybe two. When the show originally started, we were on an every other week release schedule. And that was just mainly because of a, a time commitment standpoint. And um, we we were honestly, I was worried that we, we would run out of things to talk about. That's that's still a that's still a constant concern of mine. Is when are we going to run out of things to talk about? It hadn't happened yet. But David um, had this idea of you know could we interview somebody who's doing something, you know, fun and neat with their Mac as a way to, to kind of bring in a a fresh perspective. And he said, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could get Merlin? And he said, well, I'm going to ask him. And so David, uh, I think went to the Omni group booth or something where Merlin was given a presentation. And I always joke and I say, he basically stalked him. Uh, And, you know, Merlin said, yes. And I think, David like comes running across the Macworld auditorium. He said, yes, he said, yes, he said, yes. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, way to play cool there, David. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not quite as dramatic as I'm, as I'm making it out to be. Uh, but we, the, we recorded this, this epic, um, you know, episode with, with Merlin Mann. Um, and it was kind of hysterical because we had recorded during the beginning of the day. And I actually had workmen in my house, uh, at the time we were recording it. So I was on mute half the time because they were uh, literally changing out a, a light fixture above me for some of the podcast. It was just, it was a calamity of errors. Uh, but people, people really liked it. And so it, it became a regular segment. So that was a, that was a big change. And then it just became a regular part of the show. And I think people have really liked that. Um, and then the other change we've done fairly recently um, is we've, we've started really, we've done a separate show every month, which we call kind of a bonus show where we're really incorporating in, uh, user feedback, uh, which is something I've always felt that we've neglected on before, uh, because we want to try to keep the shows under an hour and a half because anything more just becomes unmanageable. But we, we, we have some of the smartest listeners out there. I'm just constantly amazed by the things that these people are doing. Um, and so we, we try to use this extra show as a way of, of featuring and highlight 
highlighting, you know, what, what cool and awesome things are they doing? What do you think the future is for Mac power users? Um, you know, I, I hope for the, for at least, you know, short term and by short term, I mean the next year or two, uh, it's, it's at least, you know, steady, stay on the course. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't foresee Mac power users going anywhere. I would be open to the idea of, you know, is there another type of show format or another way that, that we can mix it up? You know, I'm certainly open to that in the future, but, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to stay the course with it as long as people are enjoying it. And as, as long as people are listening, I'm, I'm, I think David and I are happy to keep doing them. I just have one last thing that I want to talk to you about today. But before we do that, let me thank our final sponsor this week. And that is our friends over at Squarespace, the only one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code question at checkout. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place to call home on the internet, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power that you need right into the palm of your hands and take away the pain, like having to worry about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. They have fantastic, beautiful, elegant templates that really allow you to craft a home for yourself online. These have been totally redesigned and refined with Squarespace 7, their most recent release off the platform. Squarespace have learned so many things from powering millions of websites around the web, and they have applied these learnings to their platform to make it even better than ever. Squarespace have just partnered with Jeff Bridges for something very interesting called dreamingwithjeff.com. They've created a, a, a sleeping tape, a set of sleeping tapes uh, together. Jeff has been working with Squarespace on this. It's basically a selection of music and sounds to help you sleep, and they've made some really great videos for this too. I think they, uh, well, I know that they did. This was part of their Super Bowl commercial as well. Um, but it's a great example of how flexible and beautiful Squarespace websites can be. They look great on all devices, and you'll see that when you go to dreamingwithjeff.com. They have great built music players you can buy the album using their squarespace commerce platform that allow you to sell physical and digital goods online and they have the proceeds of the sale of the album going to the no kid hungry charity so if you go to dreamingwithjeff.com not only can you help out with a good cause you'll also get a good example of how great squarespace websites can be so you should go over and try Squarespace. They just have, as I mentioned, these beautiful templates. They have great integrations with companies like Getty Images to provide you with a great deal on awesome photography at just $10 an image for stock photos. They have 24-7 support via live chat and email and just so much more. You can sign up for a free trial today and start building your new website online at squarespace.com. Com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code QUESTION at checkout. It will get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thanks so much to Squarespace for helping us out at Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So, Katie, you lead the double life. So you have an awesome and demanding career um, in law, and you also host a very popular podcast, and you are a personality on the internet. Uh, how do you manage this? How do you balance these things? Very, very carefully. Was um, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's weird because the uh, the two worlds have have started to collide a little bit. I, I have always kept my quote unquote internet life separate from my quote unquote real life, and um, and was very happy doing that. But I, I never really intended to do that. I mean, it, n none of this was a secret 
it just it kind of became weird fast if that makes any sense um and so you know i, I when i started at the the current job that i'm at now um the the show already existed but you know certainly that's that's not something that i put on my legal resume and it's not something that i really talk about in an interview you know mac power users was was fairly new at that time and it wasn't particular you know it wasn't you know as popular as it is now and it you know didn't really have anything to pertain to my job skills so it wasn't something that i i really talked about but i didn't keep it a secret either and it was just kind of one of those things that you know as mac power users became more popular um and it just it kind of became weird that you know gosh there's a there's a whole part of my life that these people who I'm you know friendly with don't really know about and then you know I'd been at my job about a year and I was in court at w- what we call a cattle call which is when um a, a judge sets so, you know sometimes anywhere from you know 20 to 50 cases um, on the docket at a, at a same time. So you're assigned, you go at like nine o'clock and, and you sit and you wait for your, your case to be called for a, you know, a, a two to five minute, uh, status conference or whatever. And the courtroom is, is full with, with other attorneys and other parties. And it's all done very, very publicly in front of people. And I had a, I had a law clerk with me because a law clerk is basically a, a student and I, you know, I like to take them whenever I can so that they can come observe because, Although cattle call was something that's very routine to me, you know, they think that's very cool. They get to go put their suit on and, and go to court and go stand up for two minutes. Um, and so I go and I go do my thing and I'm, I'm walking out the door and some guy like practically comes jumping out over the audience. Cause I say, you know, good morning, your honor, Catherine Floyd, I'm here representing blah, blah, blah. This is the status, blah, blah, blah. You know, may I be excused? Thank you. Goodbye. And I walk out and some guy comes practically jumping over the railing follows me out of the courtroom and he says, Oh my gosh, you're Katie Floyd. And he shakes my hand and he just says, I love your show. And I'm like, it just, it struck me. So I just, I was so unprepared at that particular moment. I just said, thank you. And shook his hand and, you know, walked with my clerk back to the, um, to the elevator. And my clerk looked at me and they said, what is that all about? And I just said, I have no idea. And just kept walking. It was like, what do you do at that moment? <laughs> Nothing to do with me. <laughs> Don't know what that crazy dude was talking about. So, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it becomes weird. I, you know, I have to be, I have to be very cognizant that, you know, the people who come into my office uh, are, are, are hiring me to be their attorney. They're hiring me to be their professional. And, you know, so certainly there needs to be some professional boundaries and, you know, the idea being that, you know, when you hire an attorney to work on your case, we all want to believe that that's the only thing that they're working on and that's the only thing that they're doing 24-7 is is working for you. You know, the reality is, is we all lead double lives, whether, you know, we have kids or we have hobbies or we have, you know, any of a number of things that that go on. I mean, uh, just just think about it. You know, I, I had a family member who was in to have some pretty serious surgery not long ago. And the night before I was thinking about it, I thought, huh, wonder what the surgeon's doing right now. Hope they're having a good night, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, we all, we all lead double lives to, to some degree, but it, it certainly has made me aware of, you know, what, what do I post to Twitter? What do I post to social media? What, what do I post to my blog? Because 
I think we should all be aware that everything that we post is is public, but you know, I just want to be very cognizant of, you know, anything that we post is is googleable and discoverable. Do you think that are you happy like to 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 lead this double life? Well, I mean, like I said, it's it's not a secret. Um Yeah. But you know, I just I I don't make a point of it. It the the worlds have collided a, a little bit because my my firm has expanded and we've brought in another partner um, who wants to expand more in the tech space. And my my, uh, my partners now know they're like, oh yeah, you do that internet thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I, I do the internet thing, um, but they don't really have a comprehension of of what that entails um, until this year when I got invited by the American Bar Association to speak which is kind of a big deal. Um, and they're like, why is the American Bar Association want you to talk? And I'm like, uh, well, you don't know this, but I'm actually internationally famous. And they just <laughs> and, and they just chuckled. And I'm like, okay, yeah, laugh it up. You think I'm kidding. You know? But uh, Little and, do they know. Little do you know, yeah. Uh, so, and, um, you know, one of my, uh, you know, the popular thing now is for attorneys to get on Twitter. Right. So that they can they can promote their, uh, you know, promote their law practices. And so my law partner's husband is a is a solo practitioner and he got on Twitter and I don't know how he somehow found me. I think he found me through a through a link somewhere. Uh, and, and all of a sudden I noticed that and he says he's like, you have like 9000 Twitter followers. And I was like, yep. He's like, how did that happen to it? And I'm like, hmm, just happens. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there for a while. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. Katie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I'm a big fan of everything that you're doing here at, at Relay FM and I love all that you do. So it's it's been my honor to join you. Thank you. Where can people find uh, what you what you're up to online? Well, my website is at katiefloyd.me, so you can find links to just about everything I do there. Obviously, the podcast uh, is at MacPowerUsers.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter so you can increase the envy of, of my law partners, um, I'm at Katie Floyd. If you would like to find the show notes for this week's episode, you can go to relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 25. I am at iMike on Twitter, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, lynda.com, Squarespace, and Fracture. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.